0: Welcome to the Lawyers Podcast, a series of conversations about law practice. Each week, we talk with legal entrepreneurs and innovators about building a successful law practice in today's challenging and constantly changing legal market. And now, here are your hosts.
1: Hi, I'm Sam Glover. And I'm Aaron Street, and this is episode 188 of the Lawyerist Podcast, part of the Legal Talk Network. Today we're talking with Jim Shields about how to have a better relationship with your family as a busy professional.
2: Today's podcast is brought to you by LawPay, Ruby Receptionists, New Law Business Model, and Sanebox. We appreciate their support, and we'll tell you more about them later in the show.
1: So one of the weird things about recording this podcast in the cadence we do is sometimes we're recording this way after a thing or before a thing, and then the thing happens, and then we're talking about it in the past tense, and (laughs) it gets all weird and screwy. So we just got back from LabCon, and yet you're not going to be hearing from us until a few weeks after LabCon, which in that time frame makes it sound a little weird, but I'm still kind of coming off of the high of our first event under this new brand and what was for sure our best event after our first three TBD laws and now this new LabCon event and it was spectacular.
2: It was so spectacular. I think we said it there, it's probably one of the best things we do and it just feels so energizing to get there and dig in and roll up our sleeves and talk law practice and, and make progress with the members of the lab who came.
1: Yeah, and it's a cool mix of people where we have a portion of the attendees are kind of the influencers and thought leaders in the small firm industry. Another portion are people who are in the midst of our lab program and are on the path to dramatically improving their firm. And then we also bring in some kind of outside experts and provocateurs. I um, like provocateurs. Yeah, yeah. To, to make sure that we're <laughs> having really lively, engaging discussions. And I think it makes for just a really cool mix of people with different ideas to both share with each other and learn from. And the exciting
2: part, Aaron, is that we announced the next year's dates, which are going to be August 11th through 14th, 2019 in Minnesota at the same place we did it this year. And we opened up pre-registrations briefly. Just for the
1: handful of people who were eligible to come based on having been there this year. And we're already half sold out I for the coming year.
2: That is so exciting. Like, I can't believe that. That I can believe it, but it's just so exciting that that many people were like, oh, hell yeah, I'm, I'm coming. Or I, I can't believe I missed it. I want to come. And you can come, but first.
1: Yeah, I mean, it feels a little <laughs>
2: exploitative to use our podcast to, like, literally try to create
1: FOMO. But no,
2: let's create some FOMO. Yeah,
1: so... If you don't want to miss out on LabCon 2019 (laughs) and spots are running out already, even though it's a year away, (laughs) literally the only sure way to get an invitation to next year's event uh, is to be part of our lab program, um, which you can learn about at lawyerist.com slash lab otherwise you would need to be one of these small handful of selected provocateurs, and there is no way to guarantee that you are one of those. The only guaranteed path to get an invite is to be in the lab. Yeah, so do that. Check it out. Uh, On a different note, I'm super excited for your conversation with Jim today. Uh, I've gotten to know Jim through an entrepreneur group I'm a part of, and his family board meeting model that you guys discuss has been really impactful in my life in the last year since I got to know Jim. uh, My wife Kelly and I both practice this model with our daughter. I don't want to spoil the conversation too much, but I think it's a really, really cool and simple, practical way for busy people, professionals, entrepreneurs, to solve the one thing most of them are really terrible at, and that's relationships with their families um, and maintaining healthy balance in that.
2: And I will say, if you are are fully single or in uncommitted relationships, this may not be an inspiring conversation for you. That's cool. Um, But if you are in a committed relationship, the first half of our discussion is for you, and the second half of our discussion is about kids. So tune in as needed, I guess. Um, (laughs) Do we have like a fast-forward
1: cut mark we can send people to? I don't think we do. No, I don't. I don't have that, but commercial break, I
2: guess. Yeah. Stop at the commercial break. If you don't have kids and don't care about children, which is cool. So uh, on this week's Lens episode, Aaron. I'm back. He's back. (laughs) And I are talking about Inbox Zero in the context of something that's been bugging us about getting ghosted by people on email. Uh, You can find it on the front page of Lawyerist.com and on our YouTube channel. Please take a moment to subscribe to our YouTube channel so you don't miss an episode and to help other people find the show. And this will be a fun episode, not just because I'm on it, which is very
1: exciting (laughs) for... For everyone, but also because this will be our last Lens episode for a while in this format, because now we've got shitloads of interviews from exciting people at LabCon that are going to make up the bulk of Lens episodes for a while now.
2: From now until we go to CleoCon, potentially and meet up with a whole bunch well, of people Speaking
1: there. of, if yes. you're interested in joining us at ClioCon, you can use the discount code lawyerist to get, I think it's 25% off. And we would love to see you there. And I think you're literally
2: the only people we've told that to. So go and get it. Yeah. (laughs) Hope to see you there. Now we've got a brief sponsored conversation with Dmitry Leonov from SaneBox. And then we'll jump into my conversation
3: with Jim Shields. Hi, my name is Dmitry and I'm in charge of growth at SaneBox.com.
2: Hi, Dimitri. Thanks for being with us again. And we are talking about email hacks today, and this is part two. We already talked about some email hacks in episode 186, and now we're back for round two. So, Dimitri, how can we be better at email?
3: One of the biggest flaw paws that we see uh, from our customers and hear about this a lot is uh, people use their inbox as an archive. So you're done with the email and you just kind of leave it in your inbox. The problem with this is this is effectively like if you compare your email inbox to a physical snail mail mailbox, uh, this is effectively like taking envelopes out of your mailbox, reading them, and then stuffing them back into your inbox. Your inbox is meant to be a place for unread stuff. That's the definition. That's how it needs to be used. And so um, leaving emails that you're done with in your inbox is really bad for your productivity, and there's lots of research on it. So if you have a large inbox, create another folder, call it Old Mail, and just drag all of the email into that folder. You'll still be able to access them. They're going to be on the email server. You'll be able to see them anywhere. But you'll be at inbox zero right away. And this is going to help you kind of start get to and maintain inbox zero moving forward
2: kind of keeps your focus where it ought to be on things that you need to be working on not on all of the other cruft that has built up over the years
3: exactly it seems like not a big problem but it really really is
2: trust that is one of my favorite things to do even in just in outlook it's just so easy to create an archive or an old mail folder so hit me again what else you
3: got the next one is unsubscribing from suspicious emails so we hear lots of horror stories from customers and i'm to be honest, I'm actually guilty of this in the past.
2: Well. <laughs> you're one of the horror stories. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah. People go on an unsubscribe binge, just unsubscribe from a bunch of stuff, and somehow magically end up with more junk. Mm-hmm. And the reason for this is when you're unsubscribing, you're effectively relying on the integrity of the sender you're unsubscribing from. So what you just did by hitting unsubscribe is confirmed that you're human who cares about their email. You know, There's lots of companies that abide by the law, and they would never do anything bad. But there's also lots of companies that don't care. And they can unsubscribe you from their mailing list, but sell you to another one. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, actually, for this purpose, we built a feature called Same Black Hole, uh, which is a folder, and you can drag an email to the folder, and you will never hear from that sender again. But it's not technically unsubscribing you. Uh, just all future emails from that sender will go straight to trash. Uh, but you haven't exposed yourself as a human. So it's uh, safe for any here
2: That makes sense because, yeah, by clicking unsubscribe, you're essentially verifying that it is a good email address.
3: Exactly. All right, what else you got? So this is an easy one, uh, but also funny slash painful. If you're hitting reply all on an email, make sure you weren't BCC'd on the original email. Mm-hmm. Because uh, I think this doesn't happen often, but if it does, it's really, it's really painful. So if you're BCC'd on something, that means only you and the sender know that you got this email so if you're hitting reply all and you're replying to cc people uh, you're potentially really embarrassed the uh, the original sender
2: yeah for sure and if you're sending emails my advice is never use bcc just forward a copy of the email but you can't really control exactly. what other people do so you got to keep an eye out for that
3: exactly yeah that's I actually started doing that as well that's, that's <laughs> i'm going to add that to mine too.
2: <laughs> so i think we have time for one more email hack give me your best one
3: Email is a fantastic medium for closed-ended questions. So if your question in the email is essentially multiple choice, that means it should be an email and it's perfect. If your email ends with uh, thoughts, question mark, it's probably not a good email. Mm probably means there should be a phone call or a meeting or, or something else. Uh, but <laughs> putting this in an email is not a good idea.
2: Oh, that's really smart and makes a ton of sense. I feel like there is some sometimes a tension between when somebody will send an email and the response is like, call me, which is sometimes frustrating. Yeah. And maybe it should be call me because that's something we need to have a discussion about. Right. But you're right, there, there are absolutely some kinds of exchanges that just aren't well suited to that very limited kind of formal send, check later, think about receive, respond uh, format. So if you want to learn more about SaneBox, you can go to sanebox.com slash lawyerist to learn more and you'll get $25 off your subscription if you choose to join. Check that out. And Dimitri, thanks so much for sharing your email hacks with us. Thank you.
4: this is Jim Shields from 18 summers. Hey Jim. uh, So what is 18 summers? Tell us more about that. Yeah. 18 summers was a lesson that I was taught years ago by a mentor of mine. And I was doing talks about how to improve family life. And he just stopped me and said, Jim, you're really onto something. And he was 75 years old, incredible shape, great speaking coach. And he said, just know that with your kids, you got 18 summers. He says, just hear me out on this. He's like, my daughters are still my daughters. They're grown. We're still close, but I'm telling you, it's different. You got to grab those 18 summers, do the math, make the most of those times. Every day counts, every season counts. And when you do the percentages, the amount of time you get to spend with your family under the age of 18. And then after the age of 18 is stunning. So make the most, you got 18 summers. That's kind
2: of sobering. Yeah,
4: it is. (laughs) It's a simple math equation that wakes you up to a, to a positive reality that, Time is limited. So let's make the most of it. So we named the company that because our yeah. mission is to help professionals and business owners make sure that they don't sacrifice business success to have family failure.
2: It's funny. I, I don't know if this friend of mine has got this from, from you or not, but I, I have a very close friend who has a fourth grader. And uh, he was just talking to my wife about that recently. He's like, look, you know, I've we've basically tried to plan out our summer activities for the next few years because we just don't have that many more left until he's off to college. And I was like, wow, shit, that's true. <laughs> I've got I'm going to have a second grader and a third grader next year. And I'm going, wow, OK, um, that's not a whole lot of time left. So that's probably a healthy way to think about it.
4: Yeah, for sure. For sure.
2: I mean, so one of the things you do and, and the reason w- we I wanted to have you on the podcast was to talk through sort of real work-life balance, which is something we say, everybody says work-life balance and a lot of people uh, are just saying it and and not a lot of people are doing it. And I, it also feels to me like a lot of people don't really understand what that could mean because as lawyers, our jobs ask a lot of us and we have sort of a culture as a profession of giving everything our jobs ask of us. And in the context of eighteen Summers, like how do you find... How do you find your way to do that? And so maybe because this is the work you do, maybe you have some insight into why does family fall to the wayside so quickly and, and why is it so easy for us to do that when it's so important and our jobs are important too, but it feels like that should be easier to balance.
4: Yeah, it's not that easy because we get hyper-focused on a lot of professionals I've met. They want to provide. They That was their whole goal. We want to provide, we want to build up the practice, and then that will be able to Give us the freedom we want to be with our family. The problem is when you bring 18 summers into it, time is precious. So there has to be some sort of accountability and time spent along the way because the the great lie of building a successful business or practice is someday they'll understand because someday never comes and kids can't comprehend that, especially children. So what I found is everyone's intentions are normally good. They want to run up that, that mountain so hard, so fast, that they get hyper-focused at work and then all of a sudden it's October and they feel like they've been disconnected more this year than any other year. And I've heard that so many, so many times. So what I've found is we get hyper-focused to try to provide and build something good that will help our family but we don't take, everyone's heard now of intermittent fasting. You don't take intermittent fasts from, from the hard efforts to actually enjoy and spend quality time with your family, which is so, so important.
2: You know, I, this really resonates for me and I I know it's resonating for other people. We, we recently had a podcast where we talked about uh, the legal indices problem with, uh, with substance abuse and there's a related problem around depression and I can't help but thinking that these things are related and that achieving work-life balance isn't just a matter of having better relationships with your kids, but I can't help but thinking it's really a matter of life and death that we need to figure out in this in in the legal profession, if if not across the board. Because honestly, our, our, the number of lawyers who are struggling with depression and substance abuse is staggering. And it I can't I can't help but think that if you if we focus a little bit more on our home lives and that life section of the work life balance teeter totter, then we might do a little bit better.
4: Yes, yeah, so and I think an addiction. Addiction is a funny thing. And unfortunately, I've worked with families with addiction and especially with ultra successful people that have built a successful business or a successful practice. When I've worked with them and their child has gone down the dark road of addiction, sometimes we even have have justified it saying, well, if I hadn't built my business, we could have never afforded this expensive rehabilitation center. Sure. And then it becomes that painful question, which came first, the chicken or the egg? And what I found the best offense, the best defense for connection with your kids, helping them out is involvement, uh, quality time. You cannot delegate those things. And if you do this, the numbers are are, are stunning of how high it can get to go towards that road. And that's something for all parents we want to avoid.
2: You know, I fully I'm on board with all that. One of the things that strikes me is I've. I've noticed in some parents I'm close to that that the pressure is to be involved as much as possible and fill all that time with things that are as meaningful as possible. And I think what you're Uh, I think what we're going to end up talking about and and some of the idea behind the family board meeting is that that's not really balance either, is it? That's kind of uh, putting too much pressure on yourself.
4: Yeah, no. And and look, the the two worst things when people don't feel balanced or connected at home and that balance is such a tricky word, but they end up feeling guilty and depressed. Those two words through polls that I've done for thousands of professionals are those two words. And those two emotions do not serve a good purpose. They will only accelerate you in the wrong direction. So my whole goal is not to beat people down. We get, we have enough of that in court or (laughs) with whatever you're doing. So I say, look, let's take small measures. And by taking small measures, what I've found is, it's not meaning you have to give up your career or that you have to let it suffer. In fact, I think the opposite will happen, but if you will set a few powerful rhythms in your home life and stick to them, it can keep you grounded, it can keep you more consistent, and can keep you on the far side of feeling guilty and depressed, which won't serve you at home or in your career. So rhythms, what I found, are the key to just getting that equilibrium. And feeling healthy at home. Say
2: more about ri- what you mean by rhythm. I it, it sounds like you're using it similar to what I've read in business books about like your meeting rhythm for your check-ins and your management meetings and things like that. Is that the kind of rhythm you're talking about?
4: Yes, absolutely. And and what I found is I'm very entrepreneurial. I run two different businesses, but I found to save me against myself in business. I need to keep certain rhythms, certain uh, important appointments, certain things like every Wednesday I meet with my CFO to go over numbers. I don't enjoy that at all, but I know that the business is better off if I keep that standing meeting for two hours every Wednesday. So that's just one example in the business. And I do the same thing at home. And I like the word rhythms because – I don't like the word habits. We can have a bad drinking habit. We can have a habit of yelling at people in public. We can have a habit of of smoking. It sounds very involuntary. Very.
2: That's what yeah. That's what I was thinking. It it sounds habit is something you do without thinking, whereas a rhythm is intentional.
4: Yeah, rhythm has a little bit of musical element soul to it. And that always, uh, to stick to a rhythm, I just really liked that. It's like that, uh, again, a mentor of mine said, it's like that beating of the drum. It keeps everyone, that, that simple beat allows all the other music to happen around it if you'll just keep that simple beat of these few rhythms. And we'll talk about them today. But again, it doesn't have to be 57 rhythms. I think today, if we talk about one or two and you start to implement them, we Week in and week out, you're going to start to feel a security, a growth, a consistency, more confidence, and less guilt and depression. And none of none of your people out there deserve that when they're working super hard to build a practice.
2: Yeah, so we previewed, as we were talking beforehand, about two specific rhythms, and I'm wondering if I can flip them on you. Um, and talk about the rhythm that you have with your spouse first, and then uh, listeners without kids can tune out when we start talking about kids after that. You, sure. Is that all right with you? Sure, no problem. So tell me about the rhythm with your spouse.
4: Yeah, so the most powerful rhythm that I have with my spouse is called date night with a question. And everyone's heard of date night. It, it's kind of become jaded, but like I talked to you before about, if you go to a, a personal trainer and you want to get into really good shape, the personal trainer is probably going to say to you, OK, let's look at your diet and exercise routines. And if the person says to that personal trainer, uh, yeah, OK, c- can we look at something else? Like I have personal trainer friends. They know they're in trouble because that's the meat and potatoes. Date night is so important with your spouse. And I remember hearing the saying years ago, if you don't have enough time to keep dating your spouse, you don't have enough time to stay married. And that really hit me between the eyes. So what I do every week is I go on a date with my my wife, date night with a question. It's every Wednesday night, unless there's travel, and then we'd reschedule it, but for the most night, it's every Wednesday night for three hours. And what we do is not just go out on a date, we have one powerful question prepared. We'll pick it from different lists. I mean, the internet has tons of things that you can ask. And we go through one question. What that does is it allows to make sure you're not just talking about how was your day at work? Good. How was the weather today? It was pretty nice. Yeah. Were the kids good today? Pretty good. It gets you below the surface because you want to keep dating. You want to keep getting to know each other. You want to bring up old highlights. So we pick one powerful question. Can you,
2: can you give us some, an example of what some of those questions might be?
4: Sure. So like we just took a a five week RV trip that we had planning for a long time with with my whole family. It was phenomenal. Did the whole West East Coast all the way up to Nova Scotia. Absolutely loved it. It was a dream trip. So not this week, but the week before was tell us the highlights of our trip and why. Why were those the highlights? So that's a pretty obvious one. Yep. People around here might be on a summer vacation. That's a powerful one. Then you go into more in-depth ones, where, name a time that you felt like I didn't show up for you and you were really disappointed, and why. Well, that that's, challenging. That's, <laughs> that's a tough one to listen to. Yeah. But let me tell you, when we found that one, and my wife and I said that, if you'll keep open and honest and and take things with a grain of salt, gosh, you can learn a lot about your spouse and yourself and move to a next level. And then we've had other ones. Name, name a fun memory that you have for when we first started dating, hmm. and explain it in detail. Do
2: you customize uh, the date night activity to the question? You know, like my wife and I, for example, we find it easier to discuss questions like, name a time when you didn't show up for me when we're going for a long walk because then we aren't necessarily looking each other in the eye as we're offering criticisms and, and hurtful comment, you know, not, not necessarily hurtful, but displaying hurt that we may have. It's a little bit either easier to walk next to each other than to be sitting at a quiet dinner table together.
4: Yeah, I haven't, <laughs> I haven't gotten that, that advanced yet. It's a great idea. Um, that'd be a great idea. And I'd encourage that, uh, for us, it's more of a simple thing. Like we, we live in St. Augustine, Florida, and it's a great little town to tour around in great shops and, little wine bars and and places and we we love to go get a massage and then go to dinner that's a big one or we'll go for a walk on the beach and then have dinner um sometimes you know we've done the painting pictures dates and once in a while a movie we're, mm-hmm. we're more talkers so we like to do that but so it's it's more of a simple theme but one thing which i'll talk about is my phone is never invited on my date night with a question. And where I think a lot of guys get in trouble, a lot of guys and girls, I'm Mm -hmm. sorry, um, a lot of professionals get in trouble, is they will bring their phone on date night, and now it's not date night. Now it's client call night. Now it's let me just get this one text that aggravates me so bad because I've been working on this file for months, and an important thing just fell through, your head is not there anymore. You're, you're arguing a case in your head for the rest of the date and your spouse knows it and that's not going to serve you. So we do date night with a question. My wife brings her phone in cause she's less bothered than I am so that our babysitter can, <laughs> can, can Somebody have needs
2: to have the emergency phone Yeah,
4: yeah, for the kids and our babysitter at home. But I don't bring my phone in cause I can tell you there's times where frankly, my wife good for her said, I'm right here mm-hmm. that that can wait. And and man, she was absolutely right. We have to give that priority. And we're only talking one night a week for two to three hours. And what I found is people go, oh, but I'm so busy with this case and this. If you carve out that rejuvenation time, I think your energy level, your clarity, your focus, your strategy ability is going to go Mm -hmm. through the roof cause you're going to be more grounded at home. And there are so many stats out there showing people with a happy home life have a more successful and easier business career.
2: Well, and I, I would say if you can't carve out two or three hours a week for somebody as important to you as your spouse, then you are a failure as a professional. I mean, like you, are. <laughs> yep. you aren't you are winning, you aren't succeeding, you are failing. Well, um, again, but it goes so. back
4: to that, to that lie where people that badge of honor, if I put in 90 hours and look, yeah. I get it. I've been there and we all have. And once in a while that's needed, but sometimes that badge of honor can be a little deceiving. Sure. So we don't, it, it is a good thing to take time off. We should be bragging about the time we take off because we've worked so hard at the other parts of the day. Not that we work straight through the night.
2: We need to take a quick break to hear from our sponsors and when we come back. We're going to be talking about the family board meeting. We'll be right back.
0: Support for today's episode comes from Ruby Receptionists, dedicated to helping you grow your practice one happy caller at a time. From their offices in Portland, Oregon, Ruby's live virtual receptionists work in tandem with their innovative technology to answer your calls live with your custom greeting, transfer calls through to you when and where you want, collect new client intake and messages, make follow-up calls, and more. Delighting your callers in English and Spanish just like an in-house receptionist at a fraction of the cost. They integrate with Clio, Rocket Matter, and Lexicata, as well as the contacts and calendar on your cell phone to easily integrate into your workflow. Ruby can host your local phone number or provide you with one, giving you the opportunity to make dual use of your phone. Call clients using your office or personal number as you please via the Ruby mobile app. For over 15 years, thousands of attorneys have been turning rings into relationships with Ruby receptionists. To learn more, call 844-715-7829 or visit CallRuby.com Lawyerist2018. If you're not 100% happy with your law practice right now, chances are you want more. More income from your practice, more fulfillment from your work, and more freedom to enjoy your life. There's a new law business model that is allowing passionate attorneys to reclaim their lives and love practicing law again. Alexis Neely has been training lawyers for over a decade on the new law business model she created to build her own million-dollar law practice. And now, the lawyers she has trained in that new law business model have their own high six- and seven-figure law practices, all without sacrificing time with their families and only working with clients they love to serve. It is possible to experience the exhilaration of a thriving law practice, do the most meaningful legal work, have a real impact in your clients' lives, and have complete control over your schedule. Discover this new law business model now by watching the free video workshop series at newlawbusinessmodel.com lawyerist. Did you know that attorneys who accept online payments get paid 39% faster on average than those who use traditional payment methods? With LawPay, the only payment solution offered through the ABA Advantage Program, you can easily accept client payments online, via email, or in person. No equipment needed. Visit LawPay.com lawyerist to sign up and get your first three months free. Trust the only payment solution developed for attorneys and recommended by 48 state bars.
2: LawPay. Okay, Jim, we're back, and let's talk about rhythm number two, the family board meeting.
4: Yeah, the family board meeting was something where the importance of of having parents involved in kids' life today has never been more important. And when you're building a business or a practice, you cannot delegate yourself out of quality time or parental responsibility, and that's what's happening. It goes to your spouse who's at home, an older sibling, a grandparent, a nanny, and a lot of times, uh, it's more of the male professionals that are worse at this. And I don't know if it's an old programming but they kind of delegated themselves out and they show up once in a while as the disciplinarian or the the parole officer, for lack of a better term. And there's no real connection. And I didn't want to live on the surface. I had a very serious thing happen to me eight years ago where I donated a kidney to my father and it was an incredible experience, but it changed my priorities around family and business. Both are important to me, but I know which one's more important and which one's second. And what I found with my children, I started doing these, what we're going to talk about, board Meaning it's a simple rhythm that has definitely revolutionized the relationship with I have my kids and thousands of others now, thankfully, is this rhythm gives priority to my children. And by doing this one rhythm, I've had some incredible results. I'll probably share this, the story about my son Alden, which was kind of the catalyst for really starting to share this simple rhythm and strategy. But what I found is we have a time with our kids but not quality time and facilitating real quality time can be difficult but this simple formula this rhythm that i've put together and started using with my sons and got great results and started sharing and kind of had this underground following to it has helped a lot of people and it doesn't mean you can't be successful at work. Again, again, it's going to be the opposite. What you use, and if you stick to this at home, it's going to build things up in both areas, I believe.
2: Yeah, you, you used a, a phrase when we were talking earlier, it's you're trying to be successful at work and successful at home. Yeah. Um, which I think is sort of, that's at least the way to describe the ultimate goal of the nebulous work-life balance idea is figuring out what it means to you to be successful at work and successful at home. So give me, I want to hear the story. Tell me the story.
4: (laughs) So, (laughs) and it's a good story Uh, coming from me. Of course, I'm going to say this, but it's actually a story I was very uncomfortable sharing. In fact, when I first started sharing it, I would break down in front of a stage of 500, 600 professionals. It was quite embarrassing, but then people come up and say, thank you for sharing that. And what it came about was, you know, about eight years ago, I met the love of my life, my wife. And when I fell in love with her, we hit it off instantly. I also had the chance to win the hearts of two beautiful little, boys. Uh, My wife was, was married young to a high school boyfriend, very bad situation involving addiction and things. And she stood up got out of it and got full custody of her two sons. And there's no person I love or respect more in in the world. And she was a phenomenal mom. And the boys and I hit it off instantly. But coming into the life of two young boys when running two large businesses at the age of seven and five, they were both seven and five, can be difficult. But luckily, we got along right away. But even by getting along, there were trust issues, especially for my oldest son, Alden. Uh, and when I first came into Alden's life, he was, uh, a terrible student close to failing. He had just been put on the spectrum at school for autism. Uh, and I, I can't stand that word spectrum. Mm-hmm. Uh, and probably worst of all, he suffered every night from something called night terrors. And if you don't know what those are, you're very lucky. It's when your child wakes up in a half conscious state screaming, it can take hours to get them back to sleep. Um, call me a, a naive optimist. But I knew these things could change. And the most powerful thing that made changes on these was these simple board meetings that I started to do where, and I'll share the rhythm with you guys, where we get together every 90 days for a special day, just the two of us. And the breakthroughs that happened in that first year on these days were stunning. And within one year of starting these, my son went from failing. Uh, he since my son, I, both the boys asked me to adopt them years ago, and I did, uh, but A year later, after starting these board meetings, he went from failing to getting the award of the most improved student of the third grade. And he was beaming when he got the little award. Uh, They retracted the diagnosis of autism. They retracted it. They admitted it to be a mistake. I knew it wasn't autism. It was stress-related of things that happened in the past that we could get over, and he did. Uh, And probably the most rewarding thing of all, uh, his night terrors within one year were completely gone. Now, I would have given— my entire career, my entire business fortunes to get those results, but I didn't have to. I stuck to this simple rhythm and tracking back with my wife and I, without a doubt, the breakthroughs occurred on these simple board meetings that occurred four times within that first year. And that made all the difference.
2: So tell me, so what is the board meeting? What's the, what's the template for it?
4: Yeah. So I've decided a long time ago, I was going to keep my children as my most important investors and clients. Uh, I think like an entrepreneur, uh, the professionals out there probably think the same as me with their, with their biggest clients. Mm -hmm. Your most important and biggest clients for, I believe are your children. So I practice the, the quarterly board meeting method, meaning once a quarter I get together with my children for a board meeting,
2: each of them independently, right?
4: Each of them independently. It's a minimum of four hours uninterrupted. And there's only three guiding principles that work very powerfully together for good reasons. The first is one-on-one. The second is without electronics. The third, fun activity with focused reflection. And I can go through each one of those, but the things that happen when you set the stage for connection like that, where it's a planned day, uninterrupted, one-on-one, which when you really start to reflect back, the amount of one-on-one time that occurs between a busy professional and each one of their children is almost nil. Without electronics, the, the, the
2: amount of one-on-one time between anyone and and mul- when they have multiple kids is pretty small.
4: <laughs> it is. It is. And and if when people say, "Well, what's been your biggest finding?" Because you know, I do a lot of consulting. I host retreats with with a lot of families. I've said the biggest secret I've seen is you got to separate the parts to strengthen the whole. You have to. It's it's the best way to strengthen a family. All in family time is great. But date night with a question with my wife strengthens the family. These quarterly board meetings, where it's just my one of my sons and I or my daughter and I, brings the whole family closer together. And you got to separate the parts to strengthen the whole. That's the power of one-on-one time. And a lot of times, busy professionals they skirt around it. They might throw it on their spouse. They might throw it on the siblings. When it's just one-on-one, there's nowhere to run. You got to connect. You got to give your attention.
2: Once every ninety days doesn't seem like it could be enough to matter. And that's what a lot of people say. The problem is— I mean, it also seems like a really low bar. But <laughs> Well and that's the beauty of it
4: See yeah. what I found is There's You know when you, when you look at a lot of Personal development groups Out there They have 90 day Breakthrough plans Because mm-hmm. 90 days Has a lot of science to it What we found For relationship building 90 days Increments For these board meetings Created anticipation And reflection If you're It's only 90 days out They're anticipating The next one And the last one Has been recent enough For they're reflecting off of it If you're only doing this Once a year Like a birthday That's not often enough But if you're doing it Once a week they kind of lose their specialness. And the thing that's important to note here, people say, oh, so you only get together with your kids every 90 days. <laughs> no. But what I found is... Yep, no, settings... don't talk
2: to them at all in between.
4: <laughs> exactly, right? And, and I go, no, that's not what happens. But what happens is, by having these simple one-on-one meetings and days together, I can tell you that the time in between those 90 days is more communicative, friendlier, Happier, it just overall more connected, mm. so it it helps bind the time together in between incredibly. So that's why in current, like you say, it's a low bar. But we all know how quick does ninety days go when you're super busy at work.
2: Right, it's a low bar, but it's also if you can't do it.
4: Yeah, and every year now, I've been doing these eight years when we we have our, you know, first week of the year reflection on the prior year. I'm proud to say that with with my sons or my daughters, when we ask for highlights. The memory has been concreted. They say the time we went on a board meeting uh, to the pirate museum, the time that we went to trampoline world, the board Mm -hmm. meeting, at trampoline world. These are when some of the biggest memories are forged and some of the best communication happens because especially with people out there with teens, if you do something fun of their choice, you turned your phone off and they've turned theirs off with no electronic distractions and you've had fun together. You maybe have a meal together people are shocked about how open they are to communicate at that point and have real conversation.
2: I mean, I I feel like I've heard of uh, people who do similar things and often um, they talk about, it's the teenagers where it really makes the biggest difference, honestly, because they're so distracted and in their phones and in their friendship groups and, and, getting them alone is really special
4: yeah oh big time and and let's face it what teenager wants to talk to their parents about puberty in front of their (laughs) little brother right Right. oh my gosh shoot me now right uh, so and people oh they won't talk to me Mm -hmm. one-on-one is such a huge important thing so we hit on the the importance again it's only one-on-one without electronics a fun activity of their choice
2: and i i get that i get the one-on-one i get the no devices Minimum four hours seems awesome to me. Tell me more about the activity and what you mean by focused reflection.
4: Yeah, so fun activity of their choice with focused reflection is basically the shortest definition out there for experiential education. And I'm kind of an alternative education fanatic. I just love new ways to teach kids. And experiential education has been proven to be the most powerful form of learning on the planet. I have a very successful lawyer friend at home. Um, We've grown up together. He's, He's doing phenomenal. He started working in a law firm at the age of 11. I'm convinced since he was in the trenches at a young age, that's one of the reasons why he's such a great lawyer. Now, I could be—people might might agree, might not agree, but I just believe in experience. So we're using experiential education to strengthen our relationship with our kids. They choose the activity. So if you and I like to go to a football game, let's say, but your daughter has no interest in football— you can't drag her to a football game and then at the end of the day right. punch yourself in the arm and say isn't it great we bonded. Give them buy-in, let them plan the day, let them choose the day. You're going to learn a lot about them, they're going to they're going to be committed to it. And so you have that fun day together uninterrupted and focused reflection. The definition of experiential education is you put your students in direct inspiring experiences, and after the experience, you set this time aside for what's called a focus reflection. This is when you ask certain questions and just have time to talk about the activity and see what lessons and values come to the top. That's basically how experiential education works. So that's all we do. They choose a fun activity talk their Talk about choice. what you
2: learned, what was fun, what they didn't like, that kind of stuff.
4: Yeah. The starting question of experiential education is what was your favorite part of the activity or the day yeah. and why? That's it. Start with that. You don't have to become a, a, a an, an advanced educator uh, to do this. Just ask that question. And then when you have the chance to answer back, be vulnerable. What I would say to my sons that first year is, man, I'm just feeling really blessed that you guys are in my life now, that you've chosen me and I'm busy and I don't want to lose the chance to get to know you and to spend time like this with you and have fun. Literally, that's as long as the focus reflection was on our first board meeting. Hmm. But I know that set the spark. So I have a couple of things in my book, like five different things that if you're willing to do on the board meeting, especially during the focus reflection, it can absolutely 10 times the results. Um, And some one of the main things is listen, don't lecture and be vulnerable. You know, if if your team finally opens up to you, don't try to be Superman. Don't try to be John Wayne. Talk about a time you got pushed down at football practice or talk about a time that your friends left you out of something and you felt really small. Don't overpower. They won't relate to you. So this is a very powerful time to connect.
2: It's my guess. Well, I'm not I don't even think I'm actually guessing here, but I know parents, um, dads in particular, who um, love their kids, work, work hard to be involved in their lives, but just can't seem to overcome conflict uh, with their kid, and and I, my guess is too that when you go from uh, not spending much time with your kid and focusing on work to, no, we're going to go spend the whole day together. Uh, they might be really excited, but they also might have some resentment. And it seems to me that whether during the activity or during the focus reflection, that might bubble up and wind up in conflict, not just in, you know, listening and quiet reflection. And, and I'm wondering if you have tips for sort of making that go smoothly instead of and avoiding that conflict that can sometimes pop up.
4: Yeah. What I've found is, is if you'll just listen, don't always try to solve. We're always trying to solve. Maybe it's, again, a, a lot of the attorneys out there, they know how to win a case. They know how to get to the, the meeting things sometimes they just want to be heard sometimes they just want to get it out of their mouth so they can have a better feel for it so what I've learned is just listen and don't lecture if, if you use this time to do a quarterly board meeting with your kids where they plan a fun of day, you do the activity, you have a great time, you go for a meal and then you're spending some time talking and you use it to try to discipline them about something that got in trouble with, you know, a last mm-hmm. week, um, how they can improve, why they're not taking their studies serious enough. You have just burned all trust and interest in continuing to do these. And of course as parents sometimes we slip and we're we're prepared with our next 50 lectures. That is that is a kiss of death for a successful board meeting. So just don't lecture. Be vulnerable. Listen. You'll be surprised at what they talk about. And probably the biggest thing which I talk about as as the the pinnacle is have fun. Now, you might not necessarily enjoy the activity that your son does. Like, one of my sons loves to fish. I loved to fish when I was younger. I kind of lost interest in it. I love surfing and other water activities, but I wasn't really into fishing anymore. If you show that you're bored or not really into it, it's one of the biggest ways you can disrespect. Go all in. I mean, the currency of fun for younger people is the most important currency. If you can't have fun with something that they've chosen to do— you're not honoring them. You're no. not respecting them. You're not connecting with them. Why should they open up? Why should they have that conversation of of pure pressure, sex, drugs, addiction? Why, why should they talk to you about that if you can't simply show them that honorable commitment to have fun with what they've chosen?
2: This sounds a bit like uh, the idea of a yes day, which has kind of taken the Internet by storm. It seems like over the last year or so when, you know, you just say try to say yes to everything your kids want to do for the day. It sounds not quite exactly like that, but the same, you bring this a similar attitude to it, which is that you're gonna kinda let the kid drive and you're gonna um, listen and participate and go along uh, with them and uh, try not to impose your parenting on the thing as much as you can. Is that Did I get that wrong or is that kind of right?
4: No, it is right, it's absolutely right. And what it, what it means is, yeah, we say no all the time. We have to be <laughs> right. disciplinarians all the time. On a board meeting day, put anything that's going on at work, any other trouble that you guys have had together, any differences, don't even think about it. You can carve out, you know, four hours or so, four to five hours where none of that has to be brought up. Just be there to be a, a yes man, a, a connector, a friend that says yes. You can say no the rest of the
2: time. <laughs> yeah. Next week, next week, go right back to it. You're fine.
4: But I, but I think this, again, I've seen the level of trust, this simple rhythm builds because what happens is 90 days comes quick. And they're reflecting off the last one. Now they plan this next one. If you are into it, they're excited to plan the next one and the next one and the next one. And again, I'm seven plus years into this. And it is by far when you say, what, what helps balance you at home, Jim? Date night with a question and this family board meeting strategy this one-on-one time with my kids rhythmically. So there's no sibling rivalry. There's no, Oh, well dad hangs out with her more. No, no. I do a special day with each one of you mm-hmm. every quarter. And I have four kids. So people go, man, that's a lot of days in a quarter. And I go, man, how lucky am I? I decided <laughs> to have four kids. Yeah. You can't delegate quality time you want to have a deep, meaningful relationship, you got to put in quality time. And that's how it works.
2: I think that's a nice way to wrap up. Um, but I want to make sure that I mention. Um, so your book about the family board meeting is available on Amazon. We will obviously include a link in the show notes to this episode. So you can just go click on it and get it the paperback is under 10 bucks. So, um, I suppose that's a cheap investment in your family, huh? Yep. Uh, if people want to learn more about the, uh, date night with a question, um, have you got a post I can link people to? Uh,
4: I don't have one, but we're going to be doing one. So as soon as I do, I'll forward it to you and send that out. If they want to learn more about it, they can go to 18 summers. We're going to be having uh, a different group of resources there that will help with that.
2: Very cool. Jim, thanks so much for being with me today.
4: I appreciate it. Great being here.